Welcome to episode 305 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Eileen, Anne, Clay, and Patricia. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Eileen, Anne, Clay, and Patricia, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. And as you can probably tell, I'm not in my usual studio. I'm, in fact, standing out on a dock on the shore of Lake Leelanau in northern Michigan. So you might be able to hear wind noise, wave noise, and who knows what else. As you might have gathered from my introduction, I'm taking a little vacation this weekend with my wife. We are, as we say in Michigan, up north. We came to the Leelanau Peninsula, and that's the the pinky. If you hold up your right hand, um, it sort of makes the shape of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, and Leelanau Peninsula is the pinky in, in your hand. So we came up here to visit my cousin, whom we really haven't visited in over a decade, and in hopes of seeing some nice fall color, because, you know, that's that's what happens here in the U.S. and in Michigan in the fall. We've been saying for years that we ought to do that. You know, we ought to go up north and see the fall color when it's really pretty. And it never happened because when you, you know, you just say, oh, I ought to do something, but you don't actually make any plans, it often doesn't happen. So this year we did make a plan and we made it. We, we are here. Our plan was to come up for a weekend. So what's a weekend? Well, typically that's going to be Friday evening to Sunday evening so that don't have to take time off of work or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We actually didn't do that because I had an event I wanted to attend Saturday morning, early afternoon at home. And so we were, weren't going to be able to leave till sometime on Saturday afternoon. And I thought, well, we could go Saturday to Monday. And my cousin said, well, that really only gives you one day here. And I was like, well, that's true. So I thought, what the heck? I should take some vacation. I'm going to take a day off anyway. I should take some vacation, and we should drive up on Saturday and back on Tuesday, and that way we get two full days up here. And it turns out that was a pretty good decision, as you'll hear. There's some definite benefits besides two full days. One is that driving up Saturday afternoon is a lot less traffic than Friday evening when everybody else in lower Michigan is heading up north. Well, not everybody, but you know what I mean. Uh, We had more time here, as I mentioned, and also we not driving at night. As I get older, driving at night is more problematic, and so I prefer to drive when it's light out if I can. So our drive up on Saturday, we got off a little bit later than we wanted to, but we headed up north, and it was a beautiful day. It was bright and sunny, and as we got up into the middle of Michigan, started to see a lot more fall color. It was really pretty, and we got here a little bit after dark, but it was okay. It started raining as we as we arrived, and we got inside. We had a nice dinner with my cousin, crawled into a very cozy bed, and slept. Sunday, Sunday we got up, and it was cold. It's in the 40s Fahrenheit, 
kind of rainy, on and off raining. As we could see, the, the color is not at its peak. And, you know, that's always an issue. You never know exactly when the color is going to peak. It depends on the weather. The weather's been warmer than usual. And, uh, and the color, but there is some color and it's very pretty. And it's also not home. So Sunday, we went for a drive. Uh, my wife wanted to stop in the nearby town of Leland and pick up some smoked fish from uh, a place that's been doing that for five generations now. And uh, so we did that. We weren't sure if they were still open this late in the season, but they were. And we got a, a nice supply of smoked fish to take home with us. And then we headed down the coast and we we saw you know, lots of pretty, lots of, lots of beauty, uh, you know, sort of single or little groups of trees with some bright color. And we stopped at Sleeping Bear Dunes, which is a national lakeshore on the, the shore of Lake Michigan. And they have a drive that winds its way up through the woods on the backside of the Sleeping Bear Dune, which actually rises 700 feet above Lake Michigan at its peak. And that was calm and relaxing. We took it easy. We wanted to walk up to the Lake Michigan Overlook where you can look down 700 feet of sand slope to the water. But just before we got there, it started raining. And I think at that point, sleeting. And we're like, yeah, we're not getting out of the car here. Um, it's it's not worth it. <laughs> Another thing that happened on the way down, we started seeing these little signs that said, something about art and and we stopped in a little town of Glen Arbor where there was one and it turns out they were doing pop-up art exhibits uh, down along uh, Route Michigan 22. So we went in there and it was a neat little town hall. You could tell it was a multi-purpose space. They had basketball hoops and seats around the edge and and a stage, but they had it set up with, with this art exhibition. So we just took a little bit of time. You know, as you can tell, we were kind of playing it by ear. We were get, taking what life gave us and uh, really just trying to live in the moment. So we kept on down the coast to the town of Frankfurt, where we had a nice lunch in a restaurant there that at three in the afternoon on Sunday was full of people all enjoying themselves. If you looked outside, it was all gray and cold and a little bit gloomy. And we thought, well, yeah, where else would you be, huh? So, you know, the day wasn't maybe exactly what we had hoped it would be, but we did find beauty and peace, serenity, and enjoyment, some good conversation with my cousin. We came back to the house. We all took naps, you know, and we got up. We had a, a late dinner, actually, mostly from leftovers, some of which we had brought with us, and it was yummy and the fire was burning in the wood stove and it was very pleasant and then, you know, went to bed. Today is Monday and it dawned bright and clear and cold and I'm standing out here on the dock and it is bright and clear and cold. Uh, so I won't be here probably too much longer, but I wanted to reflect on what, what I have learned from life, what I have learned from this program in particular that made this the weekend that it's been so far. The first thing that I thought of is taking care of myself. 
we had this plan. We were going to come up on Friday. We were going to come back on Sunday. And then I uh, learned that there was this event that I wanted to attend on Saturday. And I thought, well, I, we can change our plan. We can, we can modify our plan. And I can do the thing that I, that I, w- I really would like to do. It was something I had been looking forward to since I had heard it was going to happen. I just didn't remember or know exactly what day it was going to happen. And so when I discovered it was the same day as our trip, I was like a little bummed. But then I thought, no, I can change that. So I contacted my wife and my cousin and said, hey, is it possible for us to come up on Saturday, maybe stay through Monday? My cousin was like, sure, fine. That's actually better because I work on Saturday. So, you know, if you came up Friday, you wouldn't be able to spend time with me on Saturday anyway. And my wife's like, no problem. And then we came up with the idea of staying through Tuesday. So we actually had more time. So taking care of myself and being flexible, um, you know, things that I learned here, I, I, I think in the past I would have said, oh no, I already made this commitment. I can't, I can't change it. And then I would have been mad. I would have been resentful. Not so good. Enjoying the moment, you know, living in the present, not living in the past, the whole expectations thing, right? I mean, sure, there's some expectation here of seeing beautiful fall color. And there is some beautiful fall color. It's just not like fantastic, gorgeous, okay? So enjoying what I have, enjoying the moment, that's something that I learned here. Leaving work and home at home. This is something that that I have practiced more and more over the over the years that I've been in recovery. That each thing has its appropriate place, and I don't have to carry them with me into the places where where they don't belong. I can't do anything about work right now. You know, I don't have my computer with me, uh, and and there's nothing for me to to worry about. If something comes up, there are people who's who are in the place to to deal with it and I can enjoy myself. I mean, what's the point of a vacation if you take work with you, right? Uh, And if you bring home with you. So, you know, we got at this new, this dog recently and we asked my cousin, Hey, can we bring our dog? And she said, well, I have a dog and a couple of cats. And we're like, Nope. Okay. Can't bring the dog. As far as we know, he's not safe with cats. So yeah. My wife has a friend who dog sits and house sits. And, you know, we're concerned because our dog has still has some separation anxiety. We really didn't know how he would be when we left. But the dog sitter came and, and met him a week ago and then uh, came early to be with him as we were preparing to leave. And he was a little bit anxious, but not bad. After we got here on Friday, my wife texted the dog sitter and said, how are things? And she said, oh, everything's going fine. We're inseparable. So we, we, you know, felt good about that. We thought, okay, this is working. We don't have to worry about this thing. We don't have to worry about how the dog's doing. So we're not. So leaving things at home, I could just feel like myself relaxing and getting into the moment and getting into what we were doing, even as we were driving uh, north. And uh, I slept better in, in a strange bed, a nice bed, a comfortable bed, but a strange bed. Often in a strange bed, I wake up a lot. And I think I slept better than I have for a while at home, which says something, right? Uh, Because I left the worries at home. You know, I did wake up at four in the morning, as I often do. But I was like, I have nothing I have to get up for. I have nothing to do today that is time sensitive at all. And so I just went back to sleep and I slept 
slept in, slept in till almost eight o'clock, which is just very unusual for me. And I did the same thing this morning. I think in retrospect, or I mean, still here, but what was my goal for this weekend? What were my goals for this weekend? Well, visit my cousin, see some pretty leaves, but I think, and I didn't really think about it, but looking at it now, I think one of my goals for the weekend was to unwind, to relax, to chill, to find some serenity. And that has definitely happened. So I'm going to sign off because my fingers are getting too cold to stand out here much longer. Um, I'll be back with some of your feedback uh, when I get back home. Carrie wrote with a music suggestion. Dear Spencer and guests, I listen to your podcast during my many hours in the car at work. I am rejoining Al-Anon. I was an Alateen a long time ago. My son is a drug addict, so I came back to the rooms for help. Since Naranon is not in my area, I came to Al-Anon and have been welcomed with open arms and understanding. Perhaps I will help start a Naranon group for the many others like me someday. I am doing my best to detach with love. It is so very hard when it is your children. I pray with my program, and God, I will find solace. My song is, Hey Look Ma, I Made It, by Panic at the Disco. It speaks about a long journey, difficulties, and being happy to reach his personal summit. It speaks to me about overcoming, and also about an incredible bond between mothers and sons. Some days I can almost sense my son's sadness when not there, and read his mood when I look into his face. This is the hardest road, but I will journey on for me. Thank you for your service. It means so much to me, Carrie. You can call and share your voice with us. You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We'd really love to hear from you. Always love to hear from you. And you can find all of the information about contacting us, sharing your voice at therecovery.show slash contact. Got some emails and voicemails this week. Lisa says, hi, Recovery Show folks. I have just discovered your podcast thanks to my Al-Anon sponsor. I subscribed through iTunes and I am loving the podcast. Thank you so much for creating this wealth of information for Al-Anon members. Since I have only listened to a few episodes from early in the podcast history, I don't know if you've talked about Al-Anon phone meetings. If you have, that's great. And if not, I encourage you to mention phone meetings as a resource. These are WSO approved and listed on the Al-Anon website. I'm happy to share more about my phone meeting experience. I also have a potential topic suggestion. One of the biggest issues I am countering in my recovery is that I do not know what to do with positive feedback. When people thank me or compliment me, I find ways to deflect or push away that positive information. I don't believe in my own strengths that other people can see. I don't know if the struggle to see our strengths could be a topic, but wanted to put it out there to you. Thank you again, Lisa. Well, Lisa, uh, we mentioned phone meetings a few times, usually when a guest brings it up. And I know I've put a link to the WSO phone meeting page on the website a few times. I'll put it again in the recovery.show slash 305. But also, I think you can just go to ellenon.org, uh, click on meetings, and there's a link about electronic meetings. 
which I assume includes phone. Yes, phone, email, chat, blog, bulletin board, instant messaging, web conferencing, and social media. All kinds of electronic meetings available. So check that out if you're interested, if you're having trouble finding face-to-face meetings in your area. It's a great resource. Struggling with positive feedback. I know I've talked about this in my own life, about how it is difficult, has been difficult for me to accept compliments. Somehow through the program, I have learned that it's okay just to say thank you. I'm sure we could dig a little bit more into that. Another letter. Hi, Spencer. Six-month grateful member of Al-Anon. Listener here in Grand Rapids. Thank you for the Michelle Open Talk. I love every single talk you share, so if you don't have time for a new original episode, my favorite, at least give us an open talk. Anything to listen to while I'm here cleaning the house and taking care of my two babies, trying to stay sane between meetings. Thanks for all you do. Keep it up, Patty. And thank you, Patty. I try. I do try. I always like to share speakers that have spoken to me, you know, that have meant something to me. An anonymous listener writes, Hello, Spencer. I am in the middle of listening to episode 203, Adult Child of Alcoholics. I started out in codependency meetings to Al-Anon meetings. They hit home but never felt perfect. With the ACA episode, I feel like it's the best perfect fit for me. I have to listen a little at a time due to feelings I can't place right now. I love what you're doing, and you have helped me so much. I can't even explain how much. Thank you, Spencer. Shasta left a voicemail. Hi, this is Shasta from Colorado. I had been thinking about calling in for a while. I just wanted to thank you for your podcast. I've been listening to it for, I think, a couple years now. When I first found out about my husband's addiction and then heard of Al-Anon, I wasn't ready to go to a meeting or didn't think I wanted to yet, but Listening to your podcast really helped me to get to that point. And when I went to a meeting, finally, I felt like I was ready. I knew some of the principles at a meeting, some of the rules, like no crosstalk. I knew the steps, um, at least what they said. And it really gave me a good foundation for starting. And I live in a very rural area, and it gives me something to listen to on my way to work to Keep me in a good mindset in between meetings. So thank you so much for your podcast. I appreciate it. I've shared it with other people. Um, I've been asked about it because I just say that I listen to a podcast and people ask so they can listen to something in between meetings as well. So thank you for your service. And thank you. Thank you, Shasta. I got a voicemail from Mark. Hey, Spencer, this is Mark. Uh, I was listening to 304 and the mailbag portion or the mailbox, and it was Liz talking about her struggles coming to terms with her son's alcoholism and not feeling that she didn't fit in within Al-Anon. And I just wanted to respond to that because, I mean, I've heard those stories and I've seen it happen where the first time someone walks into a meeting, they feel at home and welcome. It's a kind of conversion experience. But it doesn't happen that way all the time. And, I, you know, I think people have that expectation, newcomers especially, and when it doesn't happen, they think they've arrived at the wrong place. I, in my own experience, I did feel a little bit of that strange welcomeness and 
the caring of that group, but I certainly wasn't comfortable and did not feel as if I fit in at all. That took a lot of coming back and allowing the process to work. And the thing of it was, it was so new to me and all of that exchange of emotion and the openness and the honesty that it did bring up a lot of uncomfortable feelings at first. So it's a, you know, I know I can't fix it for another person, their experience of the program, but maybe that is some of the discomfort she's feeling is just it is difficult stuff. And it is okay to cry and do whatever you need to do so long as you keep coming back and give it a chance and give it time. Uh, the good news is, I mean, the, the fellowship is out there, and they'll be there ready, willing, and able to help whenever she gets to the point where it will be helpful to her. So thanks again, and um, thanks for the uh, podcast. And. Mark, thanks for sharing your experience. I find that I identify sometimes, I often identify when people share something that I had also felt, but maybe wasn't sure what it meant or how to deal with it. So thanks for that. Lynn left a comment on the website, I think maybe on episode one. Yes, our pilot episode. Spencer and team, I have been listening for about six months. Your ministry has augmented the work from regular therapy, other podcasts, and meetings. You give me great guidance into this journey, insight into my anger, and balm for my soul. I felt the need to go back to the beginning and listen to the early work. Well, I hope the early work stands up for you, Lynn. Uh, I know we were still learning how to do this thing back then. Episode one. Wow. Memories. Three of us sitting in a meeting room around my computer, just talking to the, the microphone on the computer. I know the audio quality is is not good, but, uh, you know, we felt we had something, and I guess we did, because here we are, 305 episodes later. Karen left a voicemail. Hi, my name is Karen, and I'm calling from California. I found your show because I was literally looking for a podcast about recovery, I really appreciate that your title was really easy to find, and I've been listening to your show for a while now. It's really been helping me. It's basically like a meeting for me in the in between going to my step study group and seeing my sponsor. So it really is helping a lot. So one of the things in my life that I've come to realize is that for me, my issues, my codependency is also intermingled with my ADHD. And I've noticed that a lot of things seem to be harder in terms of doing the work for me. And I would be interested to hear more about that as a show topic for a future episode, the blend of recovery work and neurodivergence. So once again, thank you very much for having the show and keep doing the good work. Peace and progress. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that, how recovery work might be different for neurodivergent people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like what, what strategies do you use? Good question. I don't have an answer. Um, I'm not even sure how to approach it. Uh, if, you know, if you're listening and you'd like to share something around what 
Karen is asking. That could be very helpful. Thanks. Susan writes, hello, Spencer. Thank you for your podcast. I've been in the program for approximately 75 days. My alcoholic husband has been sober for 86 days. I am listening to show 304, and so many things are resonating in this episode. Currently, I am struggling with how to walk away from my dry drunk who continues to pull me into the same circular arguments, regurgitating the same thoughts. Would you please direct me to additional podcasts that could help me with my alcoholic that isn't drinking? Thank you, Susan. Wow. Um, I would say off the top of my head, uh, detachment for sure. Uh, I know we've had at least a couple episodes on detachment. Oh, I know if Eric was here, he'd be able to pull some just off the top of his head that, that we have done together. But I think detachment is, is a good place to start uh, about, you know, not getting, not getting pulled in. I don't know if we've done an episode titled like drop the rope or something like that, but that reading on page 30 uh, has always been a good one for me. Uh, the one about not picking up the rope or dropping the rope. So if you haven't read that, or if you have read it and you don't remember it, go back and read it again, I guess. Jan asks, do you know if Mary Pearl is still living? Do you know if she has commented about using non-conference approved Al-Anon literature? It seems to be an issue in my area. If Al-Anon members mention AA's big book. Well, Jan, that I think is a topic that raises controversy among members. I don't know uh, if Mary Pearl is still around. I, I, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to speculate. I would, I would guess she might be, but you never know. And I do think she has talked about keeping Al-Anon, Al-Anon in some of her shares, but I might be remembering one of the other many talks that I've listened to by, by other members. My opinion, probably informed by you know, the first meeting that I went to that was my home group for a long time, where the meeting group conscious voted to allow the AA Big Book to be re- referenced in the meeting, to be read from in the meeting. Not that it happens very often, but my opinion is, you know, our program came from there. And there is so much good stuff in there that helps me to understand alcoholism and my alcoholic. Um, I can't imagine not, not using it, at least in my personal recovery. Desay wrote a letter. Dear Spencer, I discovered your podcast last August and I'm so very grateful. Since then, I have listened to at least 20 of your episodes and all the Mary Pearl shares. And I want you to know how much I appreciate what you've done. Today's episode on taking it or leaving it came at the perfect time. It's like you put that together just for me. Last Monday, which was ironically Thanksgiving here in Canada, I got told by an old friend that I didn't love my daughter enough and that I was a bad parent. My daughter is nearly 20, and I threw her out for a week after having warned her that I would not accept unacceptable behavior any longer. Several times when she went out drinking, she had forgotten to let me know that she wouldn't be coming home at night. I would wake up and see her empty bed and freak out and pray that she was okay. This was taking a toll on me, and I warned her that if it happened again, she would have to go sleep at a friend's for seven nights. She did it again and told me that she understood why she had to go. She did, and since she's been back, her behavior has been stellar. Your episodes 22, 254, and 287 provided me with so much guidance. I didn't know how to deal with my daughter's drinking. 
Her dad is a sexaholic and her grandmother was an alcoholic, so she's got addiction in her genes. And your podcast enabled me to hear the experience, strength, and hope of other parents who had dealt with alcoholic teenagers. Their words helped me identify and name my boundaries, and I stand my ground. Asking her to leave for seven days was the next right thing to do. I remain convinced of it. My old friend believes that what I did was unacceptable and that I have caused my daughter pain by not loving her enough. Thankfully, I have at least 12 years of Essanon and Alanon, and now one year of DA under my belt. When you stop enabling your loved ones, it can ruffle people's feathers. I refuse to enable my daughter's drinking, our home is a sober one, or her irresponsible behavior. Enforcing consequences like kicking her out for a week was a helpful and loving thing to do, quite the opposite of what my old friend thinks. So thank you for your lists. I too choose to take help, encouragement, and validation, and choose to leave other people's negativity and blame. I am not supposed to fix everyone. I am here to empower my children, not enable them. It hurts me tremendously to be told that I am a bad parent, but I know not to take it personally. That's her feeling, and feelings are not facts. I now have choices, and just for today, I choose not to take my friend's painful words to heart. In gratitude, Desaya in Montreal, Canada. Thank you for that that very thoughtful letter, Desaya. I'm going to have to go look up those those episodes. Episode 22 was the Parents Roundtable, where we had uh, several different parents on talking about their experience um, as parent of alcoholic or addict. 254 titled Parents of Teen Alcoholics and Addicts. I had Mary and Ellen in to talk about um, their experience, strength, and hope. And episode 287 was my conversation with Mark and Michelle, whose son was, at least at the time we recorded the episode, in prison. So yes, three three excellent episodes. And if you're struggling with how to uh, live with the alcoholism addiction of your child, you might find helpful uh, experience, strength, and hope there as well. Desaya also left a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. This is Desaya calling from Montreal, Canada. I just sent you a long email in gratitude for your podcasts, which have been really so, so helpful. Um, one thing that I didn't mention in my email was the fact that my recovery in Debtors Anonymous has also really helped me name my boundaries with my kids. I have an almost 20-year-old and an almost 17-year-old. And until I became involved in Debtors Anonymous, the bank of mom was always open. I thought that saying no was actually saying that, no, I don't love you. And I have learned now to relate to money in a much more serene and healthy way. Debtors Anonymous is for people who are, who have problems, issues with clarity around money and who have a lot of emotions around money. It's a 12-step program and it is amazing. It, it's something that you may want to include in your show. Today you read something about a woman who felt like she was enabling her daughter by giving her $50 for gas. Um, and I thought, wow, that woman would really, really benefit greatly from Debtors Anonymous. So that's just um, some information for you. And, uh, and thank you. Thank you again. It's so good to have your podcasts. I listen to them as I walk to work in the morning and they keep me sane. So thanks so much. You're doing great work. Bye. And thank you again for sharing your experience, strength, and hope there to say 
Louise writes, Hi, Spencer. Just a quick follow-up to your caller, Adam, I believe. His wife was upset at his decision to attend Al-Anon. When I started to attend meetings, my qualifier confronted me one day and said, I don't think we have a future if you feel you have to attend meetings in order to live with me because you think I'm an alcoholic. He was quite hurt. I was able to pause and then asked him if he could listen to what I had to say. I then went on to share with him that I had grown up in an alcoholic home and that my anxiety was a direct result of my upbringing and that I needed to attend meetings for me and that it wasn't about him at all. I had the big book of AA in my home and was reading it as I want to understand and learn everything I could about alcoholism, not about him. This seemed to calm him down and we are still married. I've been going to Al-Anon for almost four years and he is still nursing the bottle after having eight months of being on the wagon. It really is possible to find happiness and even contentment, whether they are drinking or not. I'm not being held hostage in my marriage. I, too, have choices and choose to stay. He's a good man, high-functioning, and I get to take what I like in our marriage and leave the rest. Hope this was helpful. God bless you and all your listeners. And thank you, Louise. Thank you for saying Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.